Welcome back to the Women in Blue interviews, a series of interviews with the women researchers in robotics and STEM. Uh, today we have with us Dr. Federica Mezzani from, from the University La Sapienza in Rome. She is a contract professor and also researcher in the department, and she works uh, much on the dynamics of unconventional structures. Uh, she has taken part in uh, numerous projects and received uh, various uh, prizes, important international prizes for her discoveries and for her research activity. Welcome to our uh, series of interviews and thank you very much for, for uh, taking a time today to talk with us about, about your research. Okay. Thank you for welcoming here. So it, it's a pleasure for me to be here. Uh, first of all, to break a little bit the ice, I wanted to ask you, um, what is the applicability of your research? Where does your research fit in? And it's a technical area that you're working in. And what, what kind of solutions do you develop in your work? Okay, so um, what do we do? I'm like within the mechanical and aerospace engineering department. I'm in a subgroup that works on theoretical and applied mechanics. So the the good thing of what we basically do, what I basically do, is that I develop approaches that then can be applied onto several projects. So for now, when when you mentioned that um, I was working in the dynamic propagation in unconventional systems, unconventional materials, then that can find a lot of applications. For instance, now one of the projects I'm on is a um, to investigate if there is the chance to isolate uh, vibration transmission in, uh, in the surrounding environment of railways. So and for each field, for each spe specific topic I'm working on, then there are several applications that can be like considered. Um, another project I'm on is on the identification on landmines through a set of autonomous drones. So, and like the idea that is behind, especially when we deal with the numerous amount of data is how to use them. And that is uh, something that is very general in engineering. So then the applications might be, might be quite, Quite a lot, actually. Could you find an applicability, for example, also in uh, marine robotics for for these solutions, especially in terms of non-conventional structures and materials? Yes. Well, the point is that um, we are going uh, more and more towards a gathering a huge amount of data so and that is something that we see also in our everyday life when we use internet so there is these like nowadays um anything is really able to gives us to give us a lot of information so um in marine robotics what is very common is that we must have a quite high number of sensors to be able to understand uh, the environment around our system. So um, what I basically do most of the time is dealing with this large number of data. Now in, in this sense or also, artificial intelligence is helping us a lot. So in that sense, it's very good. So of course there are applications also in other environments because we must control system. So what we do is we control system. We control system within an environment and we are able to do that thanks to sensors. So once you know how to 
design system, how to control them in, in, a, in an environment, and you do that thanks to the data you, you get, you obtain from the sensors, then you can apply that almost to any application. So also on marine environments, on marine robotics too. When did it all start? When did your passion for engineering start or how did you end up doing this? Okay, so um, I have to admit that was not exactly for passion when it started. So it's something that really took some time for me. So um, when I started university, I was really afraid about jobs, so about the job situation, especially here in Italy. So I really wanted something that would have made me somehow safe regarding the idea that I would have found something. So I really didn't want to follow my passion straight away, maybe get a job that would have been uh, not as I desired. So get to a point in which I might have hated my passions. So I decided to go for engineering because I mean, I was quite a good student in high school. I liked all the scientific fields. So for me, it was a good compromise. So what I learned, especially when after my graduation, uh, I got to know the research uh, world. And that was uh, like, it was a bit of a crash. So I fell in love with research basically because is it is a, it's a job that provides freedom. So... Um, you can really have the chance to work on what you like and you can manage your time very freely, which is something that, like, in my opinion, is very important. And most importantly, it's true what we were saying before, that the same type of method, the same approach can be applied in different things and then opens an extreme variety of projects that a person can work on. So for me, it's very interesting and it's very important to keep on changing the things that I'm working on. And were you not um, a little bit afraid of like the situation and condition of women, for example, in technical fields, because there are not so many women working in this field? Um, okay, so when I started, actually what I liked was also the fact that it would have been challenging. First of all, because mechanical engineering is really challenging by definition. And secondly, exactly because there were not enough women. So for me, it was, um, I wanted to prove myself being able to do that. So uh, the idea of not many women was something that pushed me towards mechanical engineering. Um, one thing that still makes me a bit afraid uh, well, despite the fact that most of the time research is not, uh, doesn't get enough funds to keep everybody, is that the point is that there are biases still. So even when you talk to people and they might seem extremely open-minded, you could still see that there is something that is underneath. So in, and probably also within women, so even in ourselves, that is creating this situation. So it probably starts when we are extremely young, but we think differently from men. And I believe that in in this difference, then there are the also the results that we see today of not many women in, uh, in engineering, in all the scientific fields, and even more like the more you go towards technical disciplines like robotics, the less women you find. Not everywhere in the world, fortunately, but at least that is how it is in Italy. 
And with all these challenges, how do you keep motivated? You said you were motivated by this fact that it was a little bit of challenging field because not many women were there, but um, uh, encountering during studies and getting a job, I imagine a lot of challenges. How did you keep motivated to, to pursue your path? Um, because fortunately, I was discovering this world more and more. So even when I started, so okay, this is something I, I really like. Of course, I didn't have a clear idea of how it would have been day by day. So what I really like is that you keep on meeting new people. And, and I believe that people that do work on research, most of the time, they're really passionate and they're extremely motivated. They... Um, they go deep inside what they're studying. So you have this fantastic conversation with people that know a lot and you learn a lot. So for me, that is the most inspiring thing ever. So I keep myself motivated because it's an environment that is, is, is extremely inspiring. And you get a chance to travel, you get the chance to um, even to see that your, the project that you are producing, they might become reality. So you're not working for it, or you could even work for somebody else, but at a certain point you see the results. So you're not a very super tiny part of a chain. And maybe one day, uh, thanks to collaboration of thousands of people, you get some results. In research, you really get the results yourself. So there are a few aspects that are extremely motivating. So the exchange with people, so communication, uh, personal interaction is very important. And that is what it really keeps me motivated. So anytime that I feel a bit like down, I can talk with somebody else and like feel motivated again. And then the fact that you are really the person that pushes yourself towards results. It's, it's very encouraging to hear Uh, these words from you especially because many when I undertook also my PhD many told me no don't do it because it's going to be a lonely process then as a researcher you're going to be in your own thing very lonely things but working on collaborative projects and teams proves that the researcher life is not it's not uh, like this like it's being portrayed like a very lonesome uh, process yeah so it's very well yeah There, the truth is a bit in between because, of course, there are some moments in which you need to be alone because you need to become independent. So, and those moments are tough, and they will keep on being like, um, it's not a very smooth part of being a researcher. So, you got some moments in which you are extremely satisfied, some moments in which you are not at all. So, um, but then that is part of it is also what I like. So. security and stability so probably this type of life is what suits me the most so it has been hard when i was working by myself but you can always find someone that is good to give advices so despite you need to work alone you're not isolated so there is a difference between being alone and being isolated so you need to be alone to work to learn but you're not isolated. So you can ask people and they're like, the researchers know what you've been going through. So they might be very prone to help. This, this was one of the next questions. Who can support you on this path? So you said colleagues, is there someone else? Other people you think of when? when um, I think that the major support is 
from colleagues, but not for uh, for any special reason. Like, of course, you get the support of family, of friends. But the point is that, and it's something that I found out also quite recently, is that when you get off the path of the quite conventional jobs, people have hard time understanding what is your feeling, your thoughts. So um, it happened to me that sometimes I was stressed and I could talk with people that wouldn't understand the reason why I was stressed because maybe, or like objectively, there was no reason to be extremely stressed. And it's something you understand when you share the same feelings and the same situation. So um, probably the people that would support me the most would be colleagues. Like not even the closest one, but even people who are older, who have been through the same things, but they, they passed it, they, they went over that. So that is the greatest support that, that I can get. And if you can think of uh, the challenges you had along the way, which one was the toughest one that you had to overcome? Um, okay, I can come up with, uh, two moments. Um, one that was in actually my past, because I, um, there there has been a moment. It was not even during research. It was actually before that I was doing second year university, and um, it was not even that I wasn't giving exams. It was just that I didn't like what I was studying, and so that that year has been extremely extremely tough to go through because there was a moment in which I thought that there was a time to decide what my life would have been. Fortunately, within research, I've always been very happy and very lucky because it was a combination of things that I really liked. So I like traveling, I like studying. So for me, it has been the best picture. Um, the second example, it's probably... Um, it has to come because exactly because in research there are not many funds, then the the path is not very clear in front of me. And since I'm turning, like I'm 34 right now, so I'll be turning 35, it's really a moment in which I have to decide whether I can keep it. Like this is really being sincere, okay? So it's yeah. uh, like playing full hands of uncovered cards. So um, if I have to change, because maybe I cannot work within university because there are not funds to keep me. Um, this, like within one or two years, it will be a time for me to decide. And I'm pretty sure that it's going to be quite a tough moment because I love research. And fortunately, there are many funds also from European councils and so on, but uh, it's really not a straightforward way to go. So... I would say in one of two years, if we have this conversation again, I'll be able to tell you. It's great, yeah, because I was, uh, I wanted to ask you, like, uh, for the first kind of challenge, you more or less know how you overcame it. For the second one, I obviously cannot ask you how you intend to uh, overcome it, because maybe you can build a strategy and so on. But for, for the first challenge, how did you manage to get a clear sense of what you want in your future, despite the fact that you were not loving what you were doing at the mm -hmm. moment? Um, what I thought at the time, it was to that I needed to go over 
the thing that I was doing that specific in that specific moment, um, I think that any job, any type of studying has things that, of course, we don't like, especially when you go through a fields which are extremely various. Um, in mechanical engineering, of course, there are tons of different subjects that you can deal with. And of course, you might not like them all. Um, so I really forced myself in thinking that that was only part of it. And if I was to stop, I would have stopped at the first um, hard moment instead of facing it. And um, so I really thought, okay, this is tough. I don't like it, but let's see if there might be something that it would be more interesting for me. So I didn't want to, and like the other thing is that I was motivated. So a part of me knew that would have been hard. So despite it was harder than I expected it, I was like, okay, but you knew that would not have been easy. So if you stop at the first difficulty, how would you go on with your life in general? So for me, it was very, try to go over that moment, try to think forward and saying, I still know that what engineering could do, even if it was just a rough idea, because when I started engineering, for me, it was only Formula One stuff. And then I discovered is, is, there is an entire world even more. So, but I knew like, for instance, even that single idea, okay, if you can do that and you stop, I don't know, at physics, then you're, you're going to miss something. So for me, it was really the idea of, okay, you need to, to think forward and just go over it, whatever it takes. Like, even if you don't pass with good grades, you just to get over the time. And then once you start finding things you like, then it's going to get better. Uh, what do you think that such a technical field, like the one that you have chosen, can offer, especially to women working in this research? I just discovered that uh, you started from Formula One. I believe it's one of mm. your big passions. So mm. uh, what what did you do? And you said you discovered the entire field and the complexity that is behind. What do you think it can offer to women? Because not many might, might look into it. Okay. The point is... Um... It offers a lot because if we even like even now just sitting in our office rooms, we look around, truly mechanical engineering is everywhere. So it's in energy, it's in transportation, it's with, behind the concept of smart cities. Then, of course, you could probably find a field that it's more suitable, but scientific fields can really give you methods to do anything you like. So um, I, I think that we really have to switch the idea of what women can do first. Um, most of the time we were used to think that all the soft skills were, um, I don't know how to say it, but like matter of women. What we are seeing now and what will be in the near future is that we will find a combination of technical skills and soft skills. Also because we're going towards a point in which technologies are deeply entering our, like the human sphere. So anything you see from artificial intelligence, from human-like robots, but also in marine engineering, we have this extreme combination of technologies and our world. So if you really want this interface to work, 
you really need something more than technologies or than technical aspects. So it's not only a matter of gradients of velocities or thermal conductivity. You really need something more. That it's something that is way more related to the soft skills, to behavior, to uh, gentleness and so on. So I really believe that women can make a difference in this sense. It's a very interesting point that you're making about the this kind of soft skill, the gentleness, and also maybe the creativity that goes goes on behind such a technical field. Because it's uh, recent studies show also that creativity in tech and technical uh, subjects and in like more creative subjects is the same. So then, if the nature of creativity is the same, why shouldn't it be the same for women and men having access both to to all kind of uh, kind of jobs i wanted also to ask you what if you could describe a little bit your environment and your and the atmosphere that uh, that was created during your studies you gave us an insight a little bit but to know a little bit more how how your team was composed during your studies during your phd and so on Okay, so it really changed with the year. So uh, when I was studying as a student, there were mainly guys, So, but we became friends. So uh, it was not very a mixed situation. Surprisingly, that changed during the PhD because uh, in our field, there were actually more women than guys. So we weren't that many, so we were like eight people. But for the first time, there were more girls than than, than guys. Um, the point is, so I believe that women get attracted by research. Indeed, in other fields, there are so many women in research. So it's not a matter of research. Most likely, it's a matter of what you, what you do in research. And um, the other point is, the expectations you get from research. So the reason why then women don't stay. Um, but I have to admit that the environment for me has always been extremely interesting. So even if I could have been the only woman, I've never been, so it was like, let's say a masculine environment. I never felt, um, how to say, discriminated for that. So it was a masculine environment, but not against women. And that is, there is a huge difference in this because there are other fields that, let's say, that naturally came as a masculine environment, but there is a difference if then the, the approach is that field remains as it is. Instead, what, what I believe in scientific fields, there are many many fields that like they were born masculine but they are like they can change so they are open to changes and then that for me was something that I felt in my team so despite like there were more men I never felt a very uh as if there were walls between us or prejudices I was taken into account like my ideas were worth it so it's a but I have to admit that I might have been lucky in this. Okay, so it's not that it can go every time like this. So the environments change. And I, I don't think that think it changed. So. It changed also during your work now, no, at the university. How how did this work environment change from your PhD? How did it evolve? Um, well, it changed because 
almost uh, all the girls left. So that is how it changed. Um, well, of course, when you do a PhD, so there are many people that do a PhD and then they go for companies. So of course, a university in particular is not able to keep everybody. Um, but it is very common that women usually switch to companies then because it's also a matter of, I believe it's also a matter of expectations. So you really have to be, you really want you must want to do research to stay at university because eventually it's not an easy path because um, stability does not exist. So if you if you aim at stability, that is not the place for you. And it really depends because, for, for, for instance, I don't care about stability. So for me, what is important is that at certain point, I will make my way through. So that, that is what I care of. So... I can get a contract every year, it changes every year, and salary changes every year. I, I'm truly fine, but it's understandable that that is not the same for everybody, especially if you might want to have a family. So that might make things complicated. So I do believe that um, this environment, it's not suitable for everybody. So in some sense, well, there is a bit of contradiction because in some sense, universities would be the perfect place because uh, you don't really have to uh, sign the hours you're doing so you could work from home. So if you want to have a family, probably is the best environment, but it's not reliable in terms of a career point of view. And I think that for most women, that, that is an issue. And do you think, for example, that men don't have this problem if they tend to stay more like in research or in academia in public entities? Or how do you think it's more like a sort of the mental and psychological thing? Or is it more also the context and the stereotype kind of image that is being created and propagated for women in research? Um, it surely has a mental root, so something that we grow up with. But it has, it has like, there is, matter of fact, men don't need to stop. And for women, it's something that is totally random. So if you want to have children, you might have a very easygoing um, nine months uh, uh, living, or it might be difficult. So you have to stop. And what is the problem? It's not even that you stop because you can, is that there is no way to evaluate the fact that you stop. So when then you, um, you compete with men and let's say that you almost have somehow the same, same qualifications, but at a certain point you stop because of children and they don't, then of course the production is, is better or has higher number and for now there is still no way to take into account the fact that you stop for uh, because you created a family so I think that there are some issues like practical issues so something that is objective regarding this difference in careers um, but that might change can change if we also change our way of thinking. So the two things are strongly related because one is the consequence of the other. So we need to make a switch about our, our idea of family. So of course there are some moments in which a man cannot stop. So if I have to give birth, if I have to do breastfeeding, I might need to stop. And of course, 
it, it cannot be replaced by men. But we have to enter the idea that also really the men must take care of families, must take care of the house. And in that sense, if, if they start taking their time off, then we create an issue. So we need to take into account that if you stop working, if your production stops for that reason, there must be a way to objectively um, count it. Mm -hmm. So building more like a sort of equalitarian society from the roots instead of like trying to, to build working system that in the end doesn't work at all because women naturally have their times that they need to take off and men do exactly. not. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think so. Hmm. I, in this relation, I wanted to ask you one thing about the task force that you're part of, because I it sounded very interesting to me that you're this task force of Italian task force that is called the Donne per il nuovo rinascimento, sort of women for the new renaissance, and it sounded very, very appealing and interesting. What, what do you do exactly there? Um, so basically what we have been working on is it's really this idea of women empowerment. So, and at any age, in any field. So the, the, the main task was to how do we empower women? How do we make them aware about the things that they can do? And that all started, of course, with COVID because the COVID has, has had a huge impact, especially on female occupation. So uh, we got to a point which uh, many women lost their job and it depends on your age, it depends on what you do. It might not be easy, first of all, to get another job. And secondly, to live in a situation in a situation in which you really uh, stay at home. Moreover, there might be some situation at home which might be extremely critical from violence point of view. So our idea was to provide some guidelines for the future empowerment for future women empowerment. It was it was very clear the idea that we really have to start from the roots, so from from kids, so from, from very young people. And um, there was this funny fact that, um, so the students that came out with like average grades, um, so about the age of 10, they were asked um, what they were thinking about their grade and the guys so the the kids 10 years old they were saying like i'm fine i'm i did good um probably the my professor wasn't really just but i did well the girls were saying i didn't study enough i didn't get that subject i really should have worked harder now what 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 is the issue of this that when when you project that into future women probably wouldn't would not even try uh, to apply for position because they might believe that they are not ready because they didn't study hard enough. Probably men would just go for it. So there is something that changes. So if it's something that is already present at the age of 10, you really have to work before. And then what also came out is that it was not depending on uh, the cultural level of the family, on their origins. It was really something that was present almost among all the students. So we really have to work hard on young people. And then like we tried to follow the entire career. So from very young students, so empowering also the all the scientific field. So to get them understand, uh, maybe even to find a different way to 
teach scientific fields. So then they can grow up without thinking that scientific things are for guys. And But then we also need to help the women with, who are already having a career because there are differences. That like There is the famous gap that we need to break. So we try to give guidelines of behavior that were expected. So, of course, we cannot force women everywhere, but we can, um, how to say, underline what is good in all the places that are working towards gender equality. So they get better results. So instead of saying, you must do that, we need to show them that you benefit from women. So that was the idea behind this, uh, behind this project. Switching a little bit to, to another aspect, I wanted to ask you what were somehow your favorite activities outside of formal education. And if you think that, for example, uh, this kind of collateral activities, not directly working scientifically, can somehow benefit you also in your career. Okay. Um... Even here, I have two examples. One was still related somehow, well, not, not somehow, it was related to what I was studying because I was part of a team that built up a formula kind of machine. So it was still related to my old passion, but it was really an external activity. So we were a team, we built a card and we competed with other university. So it was really not into studying, it was really into practicing. And, and that has been one of the best experiences in my life. So because we had a team, we really worked hard on making this machine work. So the first year it broke. So we turned on the engine and it broke. After four years, we we won a few, um, uh, few championships. So it was like an entire... Uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. And when you share your passion with somebody else, then you make very strong connections. So it's something that you will never uh, probably like live again. And you're doing an age in which you have fun with that. So that's to say that all the activities that you do for passion, you have a return. Mm-hmm. And um, besides. Um, so that, that the other activity comes like, I like traveling a lot and I like to live in other countries. So the more time I can spend there, the better it is because I really want to get in deep into the culture and, um, because I believe it enriches you. So what is the common denominator of this is that anything that enriches you is worth it because especially when you do research, you're, you need your mind to be open. You need to work on lateral thinking. You need, you must have, you must try to create different views of the same problem because otherwise the solution is everything but straightforward. Mm-hmm. So all these activities, also the free time is important for your mental health, first of all. So when you work even too hard, sometimes you need a break, then it's important like to, to make your brain calm down. So I think that all the different activities just create a better version of yourself. So to, to have different, um, different interests. Also because we're getting into a situation in which 
multi-disciplines are connected together. So you will never know what that specific thing that belongs to a totally different aspect of research might help you in what you're doing. Mm. Despite it can be completely different. So I don't know, like now in filming, in making special effects, they're using the methods we apply in engineering. So they're using the same tools. It has never been like that before. And it's incredible to think like they're, they're preparing special effects. So why do we, they need engineering stuff, but they still do. So it's important to be open mind. So anything that can put you in that direction, then it's useful. And one of the last questions I wanted to ask you, what, how do you see this difference between, because you talked before, uh, the difference between academia and then companies, private companies. How how do you see these environments work separately? Because you said that maybe more women tend towards the private field because they have more security there. Um, okay. Um, of course, like, of course, there is a difference according to the size of the company. Uh, the, the, the major aspect is that you get stability. So once you enter them, well, most of the times you can feel pretty much safe. It doesn't mean that uh, there are no difficulties because especially these, the, 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 the pregnancy might cause troubles and is one of our strongest, as women, is one of our strongest fight that we've been trying to tackle like over the past year in our history. So stability is surely the first issue. Um, well, I am quite happy to see that now even companies are going towards a more modern idea of working because like up to like maybe last year before COVID, the, the big difference was also the type of work. So how you handle your work, which is somehow reasonable. Like most of the time in companies, you work in very large groups. Your, your work is not independent. So since you have to deal with other people, you have to be in a place. Uh, most of the time you have to follow that those hours of working. But that is a strong confinement, in my opinion, because now, especially if one has families, if one has interests, sometimes it's hard to combine them because job is a quite a huge constraint. Whilst instead with university, it's really up to us most of the time, like most commonly is, is like that. So um, those are the two things that I see are quite different. But yeah, as I said, like thanks to COVID, now the idea of smart working enter companies, so they're getting a bit more open-minded about like you as employee, what you're expected to do. Mm -hmm. And if you had um, to give out one advice to young girls or women who would like maybe who are thinking to pursue a career in more technical field, what, what would that be? I think that what is really interesting in all the scientific fields is that we will never get to a point in which there will be nothing more to discover. So that's is the real power. Like technology will always go forward. Whilst he said in other fields, like also other fields, but um, I don't know, my feeling is that innovation runs. And if you really want to see the future if you really want to see what 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 is going to happen if you want to be there especially not to be just a spectator then is where like is it is science the, the, the answer is science 
So um, thank you very much for today's, uh, for today's chat. It was a pleasure to meet you and to hear more about your fascinating work. And I wish you all the best for the future and future career. And maybe meet in two years now. So yeah. that we can have another chat and, and <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, see how things, uh, things are going. Yeah.